It's time now for super psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell, and your golden years. Good evening, and welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. This evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and at 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaricarpel.com. And today is Sunday, October the 20th, and we are live here at the Sandbox Inn on South Padre Island, Texas. And Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this show, is here with me to make the show run smoothly as usual. And in a little while after the break, we'll be joined on the phone from Seattle by Rebecca Bloom, who is a psychotherapist, artist, and author of the new book, Vicarious Trauma Illustrated, which is a toolkit for therapists and other healing workers to help to deal with struggles of their clients without taking that pain home with them and developing trauma. It's a very interesting book, and I'm looking forward to speaking with Rebecca about that. And later in the show, the owner of this Sandbox Inn and champion sandcastle sculptor around the world will be joining us, Lucinda Wirenga, a.k.a. Sandy Feet will be joining us to talk about what's going on in the world of sandcastle building. And along the way, I'll be talking about some more elements of living a passionate life. I know two weeks ago, I promised that on this show, I would talk about um, the element of dreaming, um, how that's an important element of following your passion or living a passionate life. And also today, I gave a keynote at um, the Unity Church of Brownsville. So I'll talk a little bit about that and some of the things that I discussed in that talk. And throughout this evening's program, we will have time to take your questions. So if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guests, please feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me, and I will read them on the air to my guests. And my email address is drmara, that's D-R-M-A-R-A, at drmarakarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And if you do have any questions, please be sure to call or email during the show while the guest is still on the air so they can answer your questions this evening. And you can hear this evening's program again by going to my website, and the link to the podcast will be posted later tonight, along with all of the website links and other important contact information given on the program by my guests. And you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to Blog Talk Radio, that's B-L-O-G, talkradio.com, slash, your golden years. 
And for information from previous programs and to listen to previous programs, read my blogs in Huffington Post and Arianna Huffington's Thrive Global. Uh, Find out more about my book, watch videos of my guests who have been live in the studio, and much, much more. You can go to my website, drmarakarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And you can also hear all of the previous programs that we have done in the last six years by going to that have been here on blog talk radio in the last six years um, by going directly again to blogtalkradio.com slash your golden years. And if you're interested in what's coming next on the next show every week, um, if you want to know when a blog has been posted and get the link for it and to learn about all of the upcoming events, be sure to follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. And if this is the first time that you're tuning in, I'm a licensed psychologist from New York City practicing here in Austin. Well, not here. I'm in the Valley. <laughs> practicing in Austin, Texas, and down occasionally down here in the Rio Grande Valley. <laughs> I don't even know where I am. And I work with adults of all ages and have a specialty of working with seniors and caregivers and for the past few years, I've been evaluating veterans for PTSD. And if you want to contact me, if you have a question or a comment or something that you think I should know about, feel free to send me an email to drmara at drmaracarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A at D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com, or go to my website, drmaracarpel.com, or call me at 512 626 6973. This evening's program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by Dr. Ronald DeVere, neurologist, memory specialist, and author of the book, Memory Loss, Everything You Want to Know But Forget to Ask. To make an appointment with Dr. DeVere at his memory clinic in Lakeway, Texas, or to purchase a copy of his book, you can call him at 512-261-7909 or send him an email to rdevere, that's R-D-E-V-E-R-E, at austin.rr.com. And his book is also available on Amazon. And this evening's program is also sponsored by Storyhouse. Storyhouse gathers your stories and turns them into multimedia collections that can be shared now and for generations to come. Have Storyhouse over to conduct a private interview in your home or invite them to your next big event or family reunion. Storyhouse, where your memories live. Find out more at yourstoryhouse.com or call 512-296-8752. And I just got word from Art, the producer, that Houston won the game today and they will be playing Washington in the World Series. So if you're a Houston fan, that's great news. Um, I think they played the Yankees, so that's bad news if you're a Yankees fan. (laughs) All right. We're going to take a brief break. Um, Don't go anywhere because the break is very brief, so we can play a few of our sponsors' commercials. And when we come back, we will be joined from Seattle by Rebecca Bloom, who is an art therapist, licensed mental health counselor, artist, 
and author of the book, Vicarious Trauma Illustrated. And she'll be talking about vicarious trauma and how to deal with it. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. Worried about memory loss? Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist and director of Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders in Lakeway, has been helping those with dementia and memory loss for over 12 years, specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and counseling of those with memory loss and dementia. Dr. DeVere also has a book to reduce your worry and fear by knowing the fact. Memory loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. Available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Ronald DeVere, Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders center in Lakeway, and his book, Memory Loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. For more information or to schedule an appointment, call 512-261-7909. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. And we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And now joining us on the phone from Seattle, we have art therapist, licensed mental health counselor, author, and speaker, and author of the book, Vicarious Trauma Illustrated, Rebecca Bloom. Welcome, Rebecca. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. I know it's only it's evening here, afternoon over there. <laughs> um, how are you this evening, this afternoon? I'm I'm well, and I thought it was funny when you were talking about the baseball game because if you're watching the Seattle Ravens game live, you know exactly the weather that I'm sitting in. It's gray oh, and okay. rainy here in Seattle. <laughs> Well, isn't it always gray and rainy in Seattle? <laughs> we have two beautiful months in July and August, uh, but it can be pretty yeah. gray and rainy here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, at least it's not snowing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we don't get a lot of snow here. So, so Rebecca, I read your book and I really, really enjoyed it. I, it really, I really connected with a lot that was in this book, um, you know, because I myself, you know, I'm a therapist and I deal uh, with a lot of people who have trauma, and so reading about vicarious trauma and how and the theories about it and how to deal with it was, uh, you know, very interesting to me. So maybe you can let our listeners know what is vicarious trauma. Sure. So the experience of sitting and listening to people who've experienced intense situations. Um, maybe they don't stick with you, but for a lot of clinicians, they find themselves having the same experience that their clients with a post-traumatic stress disorder diagnosis would have. So that would be they can't sleep, they don't have the energy to go to work, they find that when they get home, they're not doing the same fun things that they used to enjoy, 
They might be really irritable. They might be having nightmares. A lot of people report to me that they're afraid to go certain places that they've heard stories about their clients having bad experiences at. So they're really internalizing the experience of their clients. Mm-hmm. But, and mm-hmm. I should be I should say that these aren't experiences they've had themselves, but by the act of listening, they gain these new set um, of fears or intrusive symptoms. Right, right. Well, you know, I, I can understand that. Um, I certainly, after a day of listening to one after the other, there are days where I just want I just want to be home with the doors locked and then I think well that's exactly what what they tell what my clients have told me that they do they stay home with the doors locked so yeah and this book is to really normalize that that of, of course you would feel that way that as clinicians we hold the worst of society and the idea that you could just kind of you know, be bouncy and peppy after that, it's really hard. It's really hard work. Mm -hmm. And so the book is about um, combining all the great research that's already out there because the information clients that therapists get a lot is, oh, just go home and take a bath and you'll feel better. Or after your vacation, you'll feel refreshed again. But for a lot of reasons, that's not true. Mm Mm-hmm. Mhm. So w- yeah, what is the really? Go on. Sorry. <laughs> oh, just what <laughs> that we have all these yeah. sort of deeper ways of thinking about our clients' problems and and helping them restore a normal, fulfilling life. And you know, how can we bring those same theories back to ourselves? Mhm. Mhm. I know that you mentioned in the book and I was kind of laughing when you said that, you know, when we, when we're in graduate school, um, you know, we learn that we can just let go of it and, um, you know, not take any of it home if we do certain things. But you mentioned that, you know, most of us are, have our own complicated lives. Life is complicated and it isn't just, that easy to just let it go right there's some so there's all this research so there's uh, some pretty big cofactors of who experiences vicarious trauma the most and that's those mm-hmm. of us that have our own trauma histories which if you're doing this work you're probably doing it because you grew up around it and you have some level of understanding um, there's also those of us that have really crowded caseloads and depending on where you're working in this country some clinicians are just told to take more and more clients and the research really Mm -hmm. shows that you know if people are just have huge caseloads the chances that they're going to experience the vicarious trauma um, is even higher and then also on the flip side what we need most to feel better is support in the workplace and support when we get mm-hmm. home. And sometimes we right. can't ask for that, or but sometimes we also forget <laughs> to say to people, hey, my job is really hard. Um, can we just do something nice? And if I, even if I tell you you're, that I'm tired, please come get me anyways. <laughs> Make me go outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what I was going to ask you next. 
Um, what do you, what do you suggest to those of us who are in the in the world of um, trying to help other people? What do you suggest that we do or ask for so that we can get our own care, so that we can help ourselves? Yeah. So. You know, what's so interesting is that the subject has been so well-researched, but when I go to present on it, I'll ask at the workshop, who's heard any of this already? Who is this familiar to? And no one will raise their hand. So some of it is that the information that we've had for decades isn't getting out. So, like, there's Karen Sabatine's work, which is from the 1990s, and she has this great set of nine questions to ask yourself um, or to ask in a supervision group or to just talk about with your peers, maybe journal on them one by one. Should I go through all nine of them? Sure. Sure. Okay. So the first one, and what I love about this is kind of a narrative therapy style. So one would be to ask yourself, um, how has your work impacted how you see the world? And for a lot of people, it's hard to admit that, you know, they used to be a pretty peppy person, but mm-hmm. now they're feeling pretty negative. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. And so just to be able to discuss that with your peers, that, you know, we kind of have to hold what's not working in our culture, and that can be really overwhelming for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, another right. question is, how, how has it impacted your spiritual beliefs? Um, some people mm. find that they were once spiritual and now they're really doubtful um, because of what they've seen. And other people find that they have to turn to a spiritual structure. Otherwise, you know, they need something desperately outside of themselves. Um, here in Seattle, so many of my friends have discovered Buddhism or go on these long, silent retreats now. Um, and it's really mm-hmm. interesting to me. I think, you know, I don't see my friends in other fields doing that right but it's really about needing to recharge and to sit in mm-hmm. silence and to sit in the big questions of life with no one giving you a quick answer um, right there's also acknowledging uh, how it's impacted your sense of self and groundness and emotional stability and um, for a lot of people they feel incredibly ungrounded um, mm-hmm. And it's very important to find that sense of grounding again. Uh, I love the story that this uh, supervisee once told me. She drove, Washington State is very big. Um, and so she drove over the mountains to see me, which is a two hour drive. And when it snows here, she couldn't even make it to me. Um, uh-huh. And she worked in a small community mental health agency in a, in a small town. And there was a staff member there who had worked there for years and years and years. And the clinician that was working with me was pretty early in her career. And she asked the more seasoned clinician, you know, what should I be studying? What theory should I study next? What should I get certified in? And the older clinician said, oh, no, no. (laughs) What hobby (laughs) should you be giving Uh your life to right now to refill you? And the woman said, you know, I, I breed miniature ponies and it is the light of my life and that story Mm -hmm. has always stuck with me that you need to have something totally outside of this field 
that absolutely right yeah do you have a hobby that feeds you when you're not doing this <laughs> well doing this radio show and writing mm-hmm. those are things that absolutely I love speaking mm-hmm. and focusing yeah. on focusing on positive inspiring people to find their passion after mm-hmm. a day of hearing trauma it's really nice to turn around and talk to people about passion and joy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and I yeah. have moved I've and I've moved through several art mediums. I was doing nature photography, then I was doing hand felt making, now I'm doing watercolor. You know, I if anybody needs a project, my friend, you know, I, I face paint at the neighborhood bazaar in in November. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like just Right. Getting out. Yeah. Something totally yeah. different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and creativity is really a powerful, powerful way of doing that. Yeah. Doing something you know, creative. I, I really saw that when I taught the um, oppression class in the master's program that I taught in. We I taught the art-based version, but they were several other sections running that didn't use art as much and the students said in talking to their peers they were less traumatized and defeated than their peers taking the oh. other sections and I said I think it's because they're making art all the time so you're processing all your fears and your doubts in the class besides just using verbal processing which and trauma, as you know, sometimes doesn't really get at the heart of the matter. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm listening to all of these questions, and I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> I, need, I need to take a look at that. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, that, I remember in in my internship in one of the classes that they taught as part of the internship um, we were taught that our life would be completely revolving around being a psychologist that we would not mm-hmm. have a normal life. Mm-hmm. I almost quit the program at that moment <laughs> mm-hmm. I said i don't know if i if I want that I don't know if I want to like give up having a normal life. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really agree with that. I think that what you're talking about is really about finding a way back to our own stability and inner peace and that it is really possible to have a quote-unquote normal existence, joyful existence. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, um, boy, and that model was before the work got even harder you know i've really seen in my 20 years in the field that people's traumas are more complex people's stressors are more complex and so sometimes i feel like graduate school is still taught to the way that psychology was 20 or 30 years ago and Mm -hmm. um and no one ever mentioned vicarious trauma when i was in my graduate program you know it was your life will be different. You'll probably end your marriage <laughs> and just right. get ready for that. 
<laughs> right. But it wasn't right. any contextualization of why that was true. And so right. when I started teaching at the master's level, I was like, I'm going to integrate this in all the way through so people understand why they feel different, why they're changing so much, so that they can communicate to their loved ones mm-hmm. about what they need. I mean, we're really offering a profound community service, and we need community right. support in order to do it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I graduated tw- uh, 27 and a half years ago. <laughs> but so who's counting? So, so, right. But there was no, so there was nothing, nothing about about that but it's interesting because as I was reading your book I was noticing that I sort of found this these things for myself just out of need so you know for a while I was drawing I still draw but that really was something that I was doing quite a bit and then finding you know this doing this radio program I discovered that I really love doing this and and it takes me out of it's very different from what I'm doing the rest of the week Um, and writing also very different than what I'm doing the rest of the week. And so I found my way with that. And then I also read in your book, this feminist theory of um, vicarious trauma and Dr. Herman's model Mm -hmm. and which I had never heard of before. And that you talk about finding a way to become active, be an activist based on some of the things that you hear from your clients. So getting involved in, you know, like you ask about, are you blogging about mental health issues? Are you writing your legislators? Are you speaking out in professional settings against racism? And I realized that, you know, I'm doing that. I'm doing all those things out of my own need. And when I read it in there, it felt I've, it sort of validated that this was like a positive thing, that it's not something that I, I, you know, have to be careful about and worried that I'm, that's not a good thing as a psychologist, but it's really important. Yeah. We hold tremendous knowledge that people, other folks just don't know. <laughs> And I think uh-huh. that to educate our community, especially now with social media, is really important. And it's one way that we can both give back and also speak out at the same time. Um, you know, I continually hear from people that they haven't heard of Judith Herman's work. But what she did in the 70s with her understanding of – and basically she created – the current trauma treatment world that we think of, which is that if you've experienced trauma or sexual assault, you're allowed to speak of it and grow from it, which is the Mm, previous mm -hmm. model of trauma, especially for women, was don't talk about it. It's your fault that that happened. Um, I would suggest you just continue to act as nothing went wrong. Um, and she really shifted that dynamic, which was you sh- you should tell the story because in telling uh-huh. the story, you you will get your life back. Um, and I think of, you know, the current Me Too movement, you know, that I think that it comes back 
it it evolved from many things, but what Pseudo Thurman did in the 70s, allowing people to first speak about sexual violence, you know, this comes from that. Like, we are seeing the 40-year arc of, of this story. Um, right. But that she also believes that therapists should speak out. This idea that, you know, we sit in our chairs and then we get up and go home instead of we sit in our chairs and then, you know, we let the public know like survivors should be believed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that's mm-hmm. a that's a political act at this point and a very important act in continuing to kind of voice that I believe my clients you too can believe stories of this nature. Um, you know, it's radically right. shifted our culture. Right. So what you what you're talking about is not just if you have experienced the trauma yourself, but if you are constantly hearing about these traumas and a way of dealing with it is to speak out because it is traumatizing yeah. even just to hear about it. You know, um, yeah, I mean, I can totally understand that. <laughs> uh, a lot of and I really see traumas that. that I hear about. I take home with me. Yeah. And I really see it with something like domestic violence. So that when a friend tells me, Hey, something's really going down with my friend, I can say from the work I do, I know it's really, really common and you may really like that person's spouse and it's okay to like that person and agree and acknowledge that your friend is in a domestic violence relationship and help you know, help them both move on so that they can be safe and that the kids can be safe. You know, it can take right. on a lot of different things. Sometimes it's just a private conversation that I'm having with somebody. Um, or sometimes, you know, it's a much more public blog post saying, you know, it's National Domestic mm-hmm. Violence Month. Here are the statistics. Ask your friends if they have a gun in the home. Ask them if it's locked up. You know, like there's certain things that we know that it's important that we share. Right, right, and it and it makes us all a little bit safer. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. right. Other people aren't aren't thinking about this stuff. You know, they're thinking about uh, baseball or football or right. you know, getting their oil changed. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it kind of fits with that whole notion that we have the duty to warn. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as psychologists, if we if we know that somebody's in danger, it's our job to let people know that that people are in danger. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, mean, I, I go on. No, you go on. Well, I like how you fit that in with um, a, a way of dealing with vicarious trauma that by speaking out to help people who are in the situations that we hear about through our clients, that when we speak out and take action, um, you know, by speaking out or writing letters or that sort of thing, um, that that is helping us with our own vicarious trauma. Yeah. And when I do this in a workshop format, I have people actually make a protest sign. So in the book, it's, um, I made my very first uh, political American flag picture, which is common for a lot of artists 
and I realized it was something I never did. And at the time, the Kavanaugh hearings were happening, and it just kind of happened really organically. But so in the workshop, mm-hmm. everybody quickly makes some kind of sign to to speak their truth of what they know, having interacted with the mental health system. And then we do a silent witnessing where we all just walk around and show each other the signs and nobody speaks or, or comments mm. or, you know, doesn't give people their thoughts. And then we, if people want, we put them up all over the walls in the room. And it really shifts the dynamics of, of the workshop space. And people will talk about it that, you know, they so rarely get to say this truth to anybody, but they really have a story to tell um and that's and, what i'm always and, and the workshops that you run are they with mental health professionals yeah so i'm lucky enough here in uh, seattle just north of us um there's a great organization called um cascadia trainings and they have me come at least twice a year to offer some workshops mm-hmm. so the Continuing education for um, vicarious trauma. I'm offering it every other year at this point. And um, yeah, it's a six hour workshop and people get continuing education credits for it. Um, And we go, the book is actually based on the workshop. I started doing the workshop first and then was like, oh, this could be a script for a book. Um, Right. So it, yeah, (laughs) it's an interesting (laughs) way to write a book. Um, Uh But that's, and I think that's why the book feels so alive because all of this stuff I've been doing with people for years and it's mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. tested and I, I know it's going to have an impact on people if they do these exercises. I know something's going to get worked out. Right. Right. Yeah. I think it's so, I'm so glad that you're talking about it. And I think it's, you know, I think it's important for people who are not in the mental health world, you know, to understand if you know because they might have friends or family like us who are mental health professionals and can be a little bit more under be more understanding of maybe it is a tough day when you come home and you do need something um, to help you you need the support of other people around you yeah I think often when I teach, I give the example of teachers. You know, there's Teacher Appreciation Day. People know that mm-hmm. teaching is a hard job. But I don't think that people often think of psychologists and, you know, mental health counselors and social workers in that same way. Um, and that also, I just want to make sure that I say that this term was invented by the nursing profession who mm-hmm. were the first to really acknowledge that things there's no way that things can go perfectly with people things are going to go wrong because one of the the big aspects of vicarious trauma is you have all this training and you think what you have to offer is going to perfectly match your client um but what if your client is struggling anyways and can't get better Mm -hmm. quickly and you know maybe even uh, passes away during treatment and this idea that that still, that doesn't mean you're not a good clinician. It just means that, like, things aren't pairing up perfectly at this time. And the last time I led the CEU, there were several nurses there, which I thought was really interesting. And, uh, you know, it was one of those, uh-huh. like, touching moments. Like, like oh, I'm giving back 
to the people that were brave enough to first talk about this. Um, right, right. It definitely felt. Well, honestly, and also, all of the. Go on. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say also, one or two um, second delay. Uh, teachers, you know, first responders, clergy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to develop a, a work a one hour workshop for lawyers on this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, that there are lots and lots of people that need to learn that it's okay if the work is impacting you. You're not doing anything wrong. But please give right. yourself time to process. Right. And I have had discussions on this program and, and, and I have myself discussed it mainly with caregivers, right? Family caregivers. And with yeah. and we've talked about it as compassion fatigue when you're just burning mm-hmm. out from from just constantly um, having to deal with difficult situations and not taking care of yourself, which I think is really similar to the vicarious trauma. Yeah, it goes by many names. Some people know it as secondary trauma, burnout, compassion fatigue. Um, it's funny, in the literature it says that technically – Burnout is something that could be solved by going to see a movie. <laughs> like doing okay. Like if you if you were burnout, you would go and see a movie and then be like fresh the next day. Um, I don't know anyone that's true for, but I thought it was really funny. <laughs> wow. Okay, I never saw that in the literature, um, but yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, we as mental health professionals, myself included, um, you know, often help people with compassion fatigue. But we don't think about how we may be having compassion fatigue as well and what are we going to do about it so that we can keep doing what we really love to do and helping people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the put your own oxygen mask on first. Right. Um. <laughs> so, you know, we just have a couple of minutes left. And I just, sure. before I ask you for your information for listeners to find you and your book, I just want, I saw your dedication in the book, and I just wanted to ask you about mm-hmm. that, that you dedicated mm-hmm. the book to Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. So mm-hmm. can you talk about that for a couple of minutes? Yeah. So I had tried to write this book for about a year um, in the format of a classic graphic novel and like a black and white, small little pictures of how to do the story. And I'd taken classes and read books and I'd done all this stuff. And um, during uh, those hearings, I, like many people I know, was just flooded and so upset that she was asked to, you know, both, I mean, she was basically doing trauma treatment explanations, plus she's trying to tell her own story, plus she's trying to look composed, you know, plus people are asking her horrible questions and whether she's believable or not, I mean, all of these things. And so I just sat down and just started painting in wet and wet watercolor, which is something that I hadn't done in years. Um and then slowly as I was painting, I realized that I was painting fragments of the book that I'd been trying to get out in mm. a graphic novel form for like a year. And then I had all these struggles with myself, like, 
wow, could I put out basically the way you would illustrate a children's book? Could I do that about uh-huh. trauma treatment? Would that be okay with the world? Like, does any of this make sense? Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm just, you know, I think with a lot, of, as with a lot of people, I was struck by her bravery and composure and the level of knowledge that she brought and the huge sacrifice that she made. You know, she had to leave her home. She couldn't work. She's gotten death threats. Um, somebody asked me if I had sent her the book and I was like, actually, I think I'm afraid, you know, I've heard to send her postcards because they're afraid to open letters. Like, you know, this woman to do what she did and then have so many negative consequences. Right. So, right. Uh, I just, I just wanted to thank her in the only way that I knew how. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that really, something in her words got me painting, and then this book was finally done. That's the only way I can describe mm-hmm. it. Yep. I think that her, her, what she said, her words affected a lot of women. So it was really an important moment in time, I think. Um, whatever the outcome, I think her bravery and being able to say what she said and um, goes to what you just spoke about before, which is saying it, that that's really powerful when you speak it rather than um, put it away somewhere and try to forget it. Right. And she didn't want to speak it. I mean, she, Mm -hmm. you know, processed this personally and, you know, really was terrified to do this, rightly so. Um, But, sure, we just, we owe her. (laughs) We owe her something huge. Yes, yes. And the the book came out wonderful, so. (laughs) Well, thank you. And even in my own personal circle, the amount of people who've come out as survivors, she did that. People who never mm-hmm. felt they could before. It's been quite shocking. But, you know, sometimes I guess I hope, like, well, in my own circle, I hope everybody's okay. But this idea that what she did opened up for a lot of people, it's okay to tell, which is really powerful. Yes. Yes. So, so if people are listening and they're interested in learning more about you and what you do and if they might want to go to your workshops and if they want to purchase your book, um, what are the best ways that they can do that? So uh, my website is bloomcounseling.com and there's a training tab listed there. Uh, Depending on when people are listening to this, I think my next, I'm doing an art therapy for trauma or maybe it's anxiety and depression. Um, here in Seattle in the spring. Um, mm-hmm. There's also, you can you can buy the book on Amazon, or if you need to buy bulk, I highly recommend going through my publisher at uh, booklocker.com. Um, mm-hmm. If you're a social media person, so am I. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at rtext, R-T-E-X-T, on Instagram, or I'm um, not as good at, on Twitter, but I am there at uh, rbloom.atr, or uh, 
I have a Facebook, which is from my first book, which is um, a Square the Circle Workbook. You can find me there on Facebook. So okay. that's me. All right. <laughs> all the I will, yes. And I will um, post all of those links on the website posts about this program later tonight. So if people didn't get to write all that down, they can just go to my website later and they can find it. So um, thank you so much, Rebecca, for for being on the show and talking about this. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? I don't know. Are you still there? (laughs) I'm still here. Okay, I don't know why that happened. Um, Thank you so much. And uh, let's stay in touch. I want to hear about what else you're doing in the future. All right, this has been great. Thanks so much for having me on. Yes, okay. Have a good evening. Okay, bye-bye. All right, you too. Bye. All right, so stick around. We have more to come. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaracarpell.com. And we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And before Lucinda Waringa, the um, sand castle sculptor, um, world champion, uh, who is the owner of Where We Are, the Sandbox Inn, before she joins us, I just want to talk for a little while. Um, First, let me fill you in on some news. So as I mentioned this morning, I um, spoke at the Unity Church of Brownsville about uh, the essential ingredients to following your passion and and sustaining your passion. And it was great. It was a really nice turnout. It was such a warm, welcoming group of people. And I I just had so much fun. Um, talking about this topic and and the responses that I received. So I'm looking forward to doing more talks, and I will keep you apprised about where I'll be. So uh, maybe I'll be in your neighborhood, and you can come hear me speak. And um, I, if you missed it, I had a blog that came out a couple of weeks ago about um, how it's you can't really be spiritual and um, not take compassionate action. That, that you know, the, it's they 
go hand in hand. So you can find that blog and all that I wrote about it, about that topic, by going to my website. It was posted on thriveglobal.com. It was posted in savannahspirit.com. And it's on my website, drmaricartel.com. And uh, let me see, is there anything else coming up? I don't know. I think that's it for now. I, If you want to receive a newsletter, go to my website and you can, um, it'll pop up asking you for your email address and you'll get a free chapter from my book. Um, and, you know, the newsletter is sent out pretty infrequently, but in the newsletter, I have all of the latest information and um, links for you to check out. Um, radio show interviews that I've done and um, all that kind of stuff. So um, I really recommend going to my website and signing up for the newsletter to keep up with the latest news. Okay. So the last time that we had a show was two weeks ago, and I said that I would talk about one of the – at the time I was talking about four essential ingredients, four pillars – to a passionate life, I've since added a fifth that I thought was sort of, you know, understood, but I realized that I, I need to be more explicit about it, so I added it as a fifth pillar. Um, I said that I would talk about the pillar of allowing yourself to dream, but I'll also mention the fifth pillar is action. So the four pillars are allowing yourself to dream, gratitude, compassion, generosity, and taking action. So, um, you know, I talk a lot about how important compassion is in order to have a passionate life and the benefits of generosity and, of course, gratitude coming from a place of knowing that you already have enough and are enough are really, really important. But, of course, in order to follow a dream or um, have a passion – we have to allow ourselves to dream. So some of the things that Rebecca was was talking about, even looking for a hobby is really important and allowing yourself to in you find something that you really enjoy, something that you really love. It could be a hobby or it could be a complete change in your career, um, depending on where you are in your life and if you're able to do that. But, First, you have to allow yourself to do that. And one of the things that I mentioned this morning when I spoke was that um, as children, we often dream. We have all kinds of dreams about the things that we want to do when we grow up and, um, you know, fantasies about our life. And then as we get older, we're taught that to be a mature adult, you, you have to give up your dreams and you have to be more practical. And it's important to be practical. Um, we have to eat. We have to keep a roof over our head. But it's also important to dream and keep those dreams. So if you have lost those dreams, then how do you get them back? Because that's, you know, sometimes people don't know Um, what to do because it's been so long since they've had it, allowed themselves to dream that they don't know how to dream. So 
you know, and also giving themselves permission is number one. Very often we think that as you get older, um, you know, you don't you don't need to dream anymore. That time is over. What's the point? And the reality of it is that when you get older, um, things become clearer to you about what you like and what you don't like. Um, you have a better idea of the things that you really don't want to do, even if you can't figure out what it is that you want to do. You also um, very likely have followed the path of responsibility. You've done the things that you needed to do in terms of uh, getting a job that you thought you needed to have um, or maybe that you did need to have or maybe you raised a family. Maybe you, you know, you've had a career. Um, and now it's over. This is the perfect time to start thinking about what is it that I really, really would love to do. And um, I've run into that with younger people who just don't know what it is that they would love to do. And my suggestion is to try things out, to go out into the world and find out what there is to do out there. Um, to meet people who are doing all different kinds of things. So you have to get out into the world and meet people. You have to, <clears throat> you can't just sit at home and watch Netflix all day. Um, you really have to explore. And when you explore, then you have the opportunity to come across things that maybe you forgot that you really used to love to do or maybe you never even thought of before and you give them a try so one excellent way of doing that is by taking a class so taking you know finding an adult education class there there are adult education classes that are given all the time is very low uh, or even low fees or even free um, at the local Y at the local high school, um, or meetup groups. And usually meetup groups are free as well if money is an issue. Um, and the ones, the meetup groups where you have to pay, uh, what you're paying for is usually supplies. Um, so if you're taking a meetup about, you know, doing artwork, they might have you pay a fee and, and supply you with art supplies. Or there might be a fee for, you know, meetup groups that have to do with hiking because it might um, cost money to get into a particular trail to hike. Uh, but normally, you know, everything else about a meetup group is free. Or it could be a food group, so you're paying for the food. And when you join meetup groups, that gives you a perfect opportunity to try things out um, to meet people who are doing interesting things, who are also interested in, in trying this thing out. Um, there are groups where people read and they discuss topics. There are groups where people actually do things. So um, that's a really great um, platform, uh, and, and it's available everywhere. So you just go to meetup.com, and you can check that out. And it's a good way to explore. 
um, you can go to the local library and just read up about topics that sound interesting to you. You can take an art class. You can take a music class. But just let yourself try things out and let yourself fail. It's okay to fail. It's okay to do something and discover that you're not very good at it or that you don't really like it. Um, but you wouldn't know if you didn't try. So then you move on to the next thing. So that is really, really an important part of living a passionate life is letting yourself explore and dream. And, you know, spend some time just quietly thinking about the things that you like to do. Meditation can actually help you in figuring out what you enjoy. If you ask the question, what is it I really love to do? And then just kind of put it out of your mind and quietly meditate. Don't think about it. Don't obsess about it. Do a quiet meditation. Do a mindfulness meditation or go for a walk in nature. Um, very often the answer will come to you. The things will pop out in when you're not even thinking about it. will just pop into your mind or even come to you in an actual dream. So literally, you might start dreaming about it. Um, you know, speaking to people who you meet in other types of groups who are doing interesting things and finding out about what they're doing can help you to sort of spark an interest or a passion in yourself. And all of the other things that we that we often discuss in terms of self-care also help with uh, following a dream or figuring out what your dream is. When you're eating healthy food, when you're exercising, when you're getting enough sleep, then your mind is rested enough and energized enough and nourished enough to be able to think about dreams and desires and passions, um, when you're not getting enough sleep, when you're not getting the right nutrition, when you're not exercising, when you're not spending time just in quiet, quiet time, relaxing, meditation or, or nature, then your mind is too exhausted and it's too full to be able to really have the space to dream. We need space to dream. That's, that's a big part of it. Um, giving, giving up some of the things that we do to stay busy all the time. We're busy, busy, busy. Um, figuring out what you can give up so that you have the space to dream is an important part of it as well. We need space to dream and energy and pretty good health, whatever we can have control over in order to allow ourselves to dream. And then, you know, in other shows, I've talked about gratitude and compassion and generosity. So I'll skip those, but those are equally important to having a passionate life that's sustainable. But I'm going to skip to action. So very often people feel or believe that if they just, you know, pray about it or meditate about it, that whatever it is that they want will just come to them. And they don't have to do any work. 
Now, the truth of it is that um, a lot of times things do come to us when we're open, when we're open to those things. We have opportunities that seem to fall into our laps. But when an opportunity falls into your lap or an idea comes to you or you get a spark of an idea for a dream, then it's pretty useless if you don't take any action. You actually have to take the opportunity. You actually have to do something. You have to act on it. And otherwise, um, it it just goes away. That opportunity just goes away. Um we have to actually do some work. It's, we can't just sit and let it happen. We actually have to do some work. Um, when Akshay Nanavati was on the show, he is the author of the book Fearvana, he talked about the worthy struggle, that anything worthwhile is is something that we have to struggle for. And, you know, Following your passion that obviously uh, is not always a struggle. It feels really good. It's a lot of fun. But there will be times where you do have to put in a lot of work, where you are feeling like you're hitting a wall and you have to really uh, look at that and decide if you're going in the wrong direction or push through the wall. Um, There is some struggle involved. But everything worthwhile, I agree with him, is is something that we have to work towards. And um, if it all came easily, we wouldn't appreciate it. So putting in the work is really important. Now, we don't want to waste time working on things that aren't going to go in the right direction or working. But, you know, every now and then that's going to happen. And when we realize that we have to be flexible enough to change course, that, okay, that isn't working. Maybe I need to go in another direction. Maybe I need to seek advice and find out what's a better way to go from somebody who's been there before. Um, So, you know, putting in the work doesn't mean doing it inefficiently. We want to be efficient in it. We don't want to have to spin our wheels. Um, But it does take work to follow a dream, and to live a passionate life. It's not always going to be easy. But when we do it with with passion and when we know that there's a purpose to what we're doing, a bigger purpose, bigger than ourselves, that we're doing this to bring our gift into the world to help other people, then when we hit those rough spots, it's easier for us to keep going because we know that it's, it's, it's really important that this is something that brings meaning to our own life by helping other people. So that's where the compassion and generosity are part of the passionate life. They help us to keep going even through the times where we wake up and say, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Um, So I, this morning, during the the talk, I talked about all of this the um, these these five pillars plus the the bricks and the foundation. So taking care of what we eat, making sure that we're eating food that nourishes us, so that we can keep going to follow in following our dreams, um, and not 
ingesting the toxins of our critics. That people um, will criticize us when we start to follow a dream. Some of them are really um, doing it out of fear for themselves, that they're afraid that we might we might leave them and go on a separate path or that we are shining a light on something they're not doing for themselves or, you know, jealousy or really a fear for us that maybe we, you know, we should stick to the status quo or else it's dangerous. Um, but whatever the reason is, it's important for us not to um, digest that and allow that to become part of who we are and say, mm, I better give it up because people are criticizing me. And then, of course, our own inner critic, as I call it, our inner troll, um, we can be our biggest um, enemy when it comes to following our dream. We always question ourselves, most of us, <laughs> and um you know, we're doing really great. And then suddenly sometimes even, you know, it seems to happen when we are really at the peak, when we are just doing fantastic on our path, that things are really going our way, that we're really, um, we're getting better at building our skills because that's part of the work and following your dreams. You're not automatically this, you know, um, extremely talented and skillful at whatever it is that you want to do. You have to build those skills. And we may be doing wonderful at that, and suddenly our inner critic will, at those times, will pop up and say, oh, yeah, you think you're so good? Look at that person over there. They're way ahead of you. Why are you even bothering? And that can be the... the um, the thing that the biggest wall, the thing that stops you from continuing on the journey. And so you have to be able to um, ignore even your own inner troll and say, hey, I hear what you're saying. Go away. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. And, of course, as I mentioned, taking time to relax and spending time with positive people, people who aren't going to criticize you. Um, people who are going to lift you up and make you feel really good about what you're doing and who are supportive of you will help you to continue on the path and will teach you also that you're worth treating well and you'll treat yourself better. And as uh, Rebecca was talking about, doing something that nourishes you, doing something that feels really good is really important to deal with um, life stresses to deal with those walls that we um, that we hit, and to deal with the stress of of um, hearing about other people's trauma, or you know maybe your passion is to be a nurse, but as a nurse you're going to be exposed to a lot of trauma, and as Rebecca was talking about situations where things don't go well and so it's really important to have a way to um, to deal with that so that you don't become overwhelmed and burn out and so doing something every day that feels really good for you whether it's something creative drawing or painting um, hiking 
getting together with friends, meditating, exercising, whatever it is, um, is really important for all of us. And moving your body, exercising, because your body really wants to move, and that's really important to keep you energized and um, keep you healthy so that you can continue following your path. And forgiving yourself and forgiving others. And this is really for you when you forgive other people. You're letting go of that heavy burden of carrying a grudge which can really keep you from moving forward on your path because it's such a heavy burden. Okay, so um, on that note, we're going to take a brief break, and we're going to be joined by Lucinda Wirenga, who is the owner of this wonderful place that we are in on South Padre Island, the, the Sandbox Inn, and she is a champion um, sandcastle sculptor. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
All right. We were having a little technical difficulty. So if you didn't hear me, I'm here with Lucinda Waringa, who is the owner of this Sandbox Inn here on South Padre Island and a world champion sandcastle sculptor. So Lucinda was just talking about what's going on in the world of sandcastles. Well, we uh, just finished Sandcastle Days, and as far as I know, all those sculptures are still standing. We've been very lucky. The tides have not come up too high. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, we've been working on a new project, and that is the Holiday Sandcastle Village, which is uh, under construction right now. We'll open to the general public on November 25th, and we'll stay open throughout the holidays, all the way past New Year's. And it is located on South Padre Island, right next to the Ferris wheel. And our new Ferris wheel is very uh, easy landmark to find. And you'll see a big white tent there. And inside that tent is a whole village of holiday-themed sand sculpture. We got uh, uh, Santa Claus, of course. We mm -hmm. got Mrs. Santa Claus right. as well. And we have uh, Baby New Year. Uh -huh. And uh, Christmas tree and our special uh, guest sculptor, uh, Abe, is really good at, at capturing personalities. And he has captured Isla, the turtle lady, and her turtle, Merry Christmas, a famous <laughs> turtle. And it's just incredible, the likeness, the detail. It's, really? Uh, he, he blew me away with it. It really mm -hmm. is something you, you pictures won't do it justice. You got to come see it. It's free. Everybody's welcome to come see it. Uh, we'll be open all the whole month of December. Great reason to come down to the island for a weekend. Yes. Very nice. Last year I went, I think it was last year or the year before. I went last year was the first year. one. So last year yeah. I went. And it was up by the uh, by the convention center. Right. And I think a lot of people didn't know about it, didn't see it. So mm -hmm. I think we're in a better location this, this year. We're right in the, the heart of the entertainment district. Very nice. And uh, I think a lot of people are going to get to see it, and they're going to be blown away. Yeah. Well, Sandcastle Days just blow people away. It was a really good Sandcastle Days. We had 12 sculptors this year, and they all did fabulous work. Um, again, I think it's most of it's still available to be seen. Um, and then after that, I've, I've got an invitation to go carve sand in India in December. And uh, it looks like I'm going to be going to Bangladesh wow. in January, carving sand. Carving sand. Yes. Are so, they having festivals? Or? Yeah, festivals. Um, just, you know, sand sculpture is taking over the world. So, yeah, well, you're always, you know, whenever I speak to you, you're always traveling around the world. Yeah, well, it's just you been know. a great year. I um, also started writing a regular column for Sculpture Review magazine. Huh. And uh, they decided that <clears throat> sand sculpture sounded interesting to them, and uh, they're a quarterly publication of beautiful photos. So, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. It's fun for me to get back into writing and writing about something that I really love. Mm -hmm. So is this actually in print or is it on, yeah. it's a print magazine? It's a print magazine as well as an <clears throat> online. Okay. Yeah. So it's very nice. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's, a, it's a different way to spread the word mm -hmm. you know, about how, uh, Sand can, you know, so many things you can do with sand. We've, um, this year we've been doing sand camp, free sand castle lessons. 
for everybody and anybody who's interested. So uh, it's four days a week during the summer, and then Saturdays the rest of the year, you know, weather Okay, so it goes year-round. Mm-hmm. And that's free? It's free. Wow. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're giving it away because we want more people to have more fun on the beach forever. Mm-hmm. Very nice. So if people are interested in finding out what you're doing and how to – and I know you also give lessons, right? You give yes, private lessons. I do. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we are almost always available. The weather is beautiful here on South Padre Island all year round. So uh, you can build sandcastles pretty much all year round here. Mm-hmm. It's fortunate to live in this beautiful yes. place. <laughs> so if people are, if listeners are interested in finding out about um, go to sand camp or taking lessons from you privately or any of the yes. other wonderful things that you're doing how can they do bandyfeet.com is uh, how you find me I you get to the sandbox in sand camp sandcastle days holiday sandcastle village all of those are available from my website on sandyfeet.com sandyfeet.com and you can find us on facebook too do search and on facebook they could probably see a lot of the pictures. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have a, a, a page up that will show you the progress of, of the sculptures and uh-huh. some of the challenges that we've encountered in our new location. For example, there's a drainage ditch running right through the middle. Oh, no. <laughs> so we had a, a pretty good rain shower the other day and we had a lovely river running right through our uh, gallery. But uh-huh. uh, we have the city folk working really hard, the city crew, and they devised a, a plan so that it would drain around the sculptures. And uh, I've gotten a lot of help from the city on this and also the community. We've had uh, sponsorship from different uh, restaurants who fed our sculptors, um, mm-hmm. put them up in condos and gave them golf carts to drive around in. So very the community has nice. been very supportive. Very nice. All right. So maybe there's another sand sculptor champion out there listening, and they don't even know it yet. <laughs> I, I think right? that's probably true. I hope so. In fact, we are looking for interns next summer. So if you are, uh, if that sounds like something you'd be wanting to do, you should contact us. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Mary. And AKA Sandy Feed. <laughs> it was um, great talking with you. Yes. And. Um, before Art knocks us off the air, which I don't know. Okay. I guess we're still on the air. Um, I'm going to let everybody know what's happening in next week. So um, next week, October 27th, we'll be back live from Austin, Texas. And we'll be joined from New York City by filmmaker Josh Aronson, who will be discussing his latest film. It's a documentary about to be released called, um, what is it called? To Be of Service. Sorry, I couldn't read my own handwriting. (laughs) To Be of Service, which is about PTSD and service dogs. And Josh Aronson, previously directed um, directed the Oscar-nominated film Sound and Fury, as well as many commercials, rock videos, TV pilots, and documentaries. So this will be very interesting. I hope you'll tune in for that. 
And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from the show, get the website links that my guests spoke about, or listen to previous programs, read my blog, watch videos, learn about my book, all anything, go to my website, drmarikarpel.com. That's D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L.com. And you can also listen five minutes from now by going directly to blog talk radio, B-L-O-G talk radio.com slash your golden years. And um, be sure to follow me on Facebook for all the latest information. Dr. Mara Carpell, your golden years. And this evening's program was produced by Accomplice Entertainment Spiked Up Productions and sponsored by neurologist and memory specialist, Dr. Ronald DeVere, and by Storyhouse. And special thanks to my guests, Rebecca Bloom and Lucinda Waringa. And, of course, thank you to Art. And thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night and inspiring week. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. Ooh, wow.